0: You're listening to the Faith Roots audio podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Welcome to the Faith Roots podcast. We're talking about turning curses into blessing. And I decided to do a study on this. I didn't know how many different lessons I was going to be able to pull together on this, but I'm blown away because it's a theme that recurs over and over and over again throughout the Scriptures, very much so in the Old Testament, but even in the New, we'll get into that later. But Nehemiah 13.2 says this, "...howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing." Now late in his life, this is after the Babylonian empire has gone down, it has been replaced by the empire of the Medes and the Persians, Daniel was held in such high esteem that he was allowed to move right on into the new empire structure to give counsel to the king, and uh, he was made one of the top three men in the whole country or in the whole empire, 127 provinces in that Persian empire. Late then in his life, he was uh, the object of a sinister plot from 120 princes and, and two other presidents. There were 122 co-conspirators who uh, did everything that they could to get Daniel uh, in deep trouble. They were very jealous of him, and they looked high and low for an occasion to have him killed. They found nothing. He was completely honest. There was nothing that they could dig up that uh, could get rid of him. So in Daniel 6-5, it says, "...these men said we shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God." So they were very clever, and they went to the king and persuaded him to make a law that basically glorified he himself. They said, we want it to be that no one can ask a petition uh, of anyone, man or God, for 30 days except from you, which is ridiculous. Uh, What about children asking their parents for a drink of water, for something to eat? I mean, just stupid. They really didn't care about that. They wanted to see if they could catch Daniel in his prayers to God. So the scripture says in Daniel 6.10, Now when Daniel knew that this writing was signed, this law was passed, he went home, and in his upper room, not in the basement, but in a place where the air flowed and where voices could be heard, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Now, the plotters assembled right outside his house so that they could hear all of this. And uh, they waited for the third time. They wanted to make good and sure that it wasn't just a mistake, that they'd heard him three times. And they went to the king. Uh, The king, when he heard all of this, uh, realized what was going on. He knew human nature. He wasn't a fool. He knew this was their jealousy. I'm probably certain that he was shocked at the depth of the conspiracy, how many people there actually were involved in it. Uh, It was everybody else in in, in a lead position in his kingdom with the exception of Daniel. So it was a bad deal. And, uh, but unfortunately, the Medes and the Persians uh, had somewhat of a constitution. And their constitution said that if the king, who was supposed to be divine, if he gives a decree, he cannot come back and reverse it. He, and we see evidences of that in Scripture. There's another story we'll get in and show you. Uh, the same thing happened there. The decree could not be reversed. It could only be superseded. So what happens is uh, the uh, king very, very reluctantly took Daniel down to the lion's den and he had Daniel put into the lion's den, but he believed somewhat in Daniel's faith and Daniel's God. He said, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And the scripture says that the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. So, this really bothered him. This king had some goodness about him. He wasn't a complete um, uh, hard hearted pagan. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever, which was a customary saying that all people would say to the king when they approached him. And he says, my God has sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So he was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Now this scripture is very, very, very clear. The reason he was delivered is because of his faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 33 says that Daniel had a faith that stopped the mouths of lions, meaning that he didn't just go into the lion's den saying, I won't quit praying even if it costs me my life. That's how a lot of people read this, and I certainly believe Daniel would have had that kind of determination, but that's not what the Scripture says. He went into the lion's den thinking He went into the lion's den thinking, my God will deliver me. And his faith stopped the mouths of lions. Now, where would he have gotten that? Well, the minute that he would have been threatened with lions, he is like a wise lawyer. A wise lawyer knows where to find case history. In other words, you go back into the legal documents of the past and you look for a case that's similar to yours and you look at how the judge ruled in that case. Well, Daniel's doing something no different. He's going back into the pages of Scripture and he's looking for cases where God's people had interaction with lions. So the first of them was uh, was Samson. And Samson was surprised, ambushed actually, by a young lion. But the minute that the young lion came out to jump on Samson, the Spirit of the Lord moved on him. And by the gift of the working of miracles, Uh, Samson killed the lion and tore him, actually tore him, dismembered him with his strength. And so it was an amazing story. Then in the period of the kings, after Saul became king, David was a shepherd boy keeping his father's sheep, and a lion and a bear came out after them, and he smote them, and he killed them both by the power of God. uh, David didn't have the same kind of superhuman strength to tear the bear apart nor tear the lion apart, but he certainly had an anointing that was strong enough to deliver a death blow, probably even with a club, Uh, a shepherd's club, but he would have used that against the lions. So now we've got two different cases here. And in fact, maybe a third, because one of David's men was able to kill a lion, one of his mighty men. And uh, so you see that at at, at every uh, instance that lions came against the people of God up until the point that Daniel's facing them, uh, there was a deliverance. Uh, I'm certain of this. Daniel probably looked at how God had dealt with him in the past, and he knew instinctively that this is not going to be a deliverance by the working of miracles. It's a supernatural deliverance, but it's not really the working of miracles. It's not like what David did, and it's not like what Samson did. Uh, if he'd had the Samson anointing, the the king would have come the next day and found a whole lion's den full of dead lions, which would have defeated the purpose. As I'll explain in just a minute. God did not deliver Daniel just because he was willing to die. He was he believed that God would deliver him, and his faith stopped the mouths of lions. Now, the word stopped in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, is a Greek word phraso. And it means literally to fence in, bring to an end by surrounding or fencing in. The idea is that there were angels that stood between Daniel and those lions and they created a fence of sort. Might have only been one angel, but whatever was there... There was a fence, an impenetrable fence between Daniel and those lions that could not be penetrated, and uh, that's why Daniel was set free. The next morning, the king found him completely unharmed, pulled him out of the pit, but now this is where the lions were needed. God wanted to show that this was not just a matter of lions becoming docile for a moment, but when he threw the wicked plotters into the lion's den, along with their families as well, the lions jumped up. There were 122 of them. So we're talking about maybe two to 300 people here thrown into the pit. There was enough strength and anger in those lions to kill all of these people. And the Bible says they killed the people who were thrown into the pit before their feet ever hit the ground. And so this tells me that there were a number of lions and that uh, the same lions that did not harm Daniel did great harm to the people uh, that framed him one day later which is a remarkable miracle. So that's the reason that God didn't have uh, an angel kill all the lions or Daniel wasn't anointed to kill all the lions. In fact, he received a miracle here, and this is quite likely a gift of faith. Faith receives a miracle. This is a supernatural faith. It's a faith that... uh, Uh, starts where yours goes to its limit. Uh, And so to be delivered from a lion's den all night long, that would require an incredible faith. And Daniel had an incredible faith, but I think that the Holy Spirit gifted him with a little boost of faith. And that's what the gift of faith is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It is not our ordinary faith. That ordinary faith comes from hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But it's a faith that kicks in and gives an incredible calm and an and an amazing sense of receiving even before you see anything. I've had it operate in my life two different times. And both instances, I spoke about someone being healed. Um, And uh, one was my stepmother who had a brain aneurysm and was on the death's door. And another one was a little girl who was deaf. And I knew the minute that I prayed, I knew it's okay, everything's fine. Uh, I pray for people all the time and and don't have that same bold assurance. Uh, one great minister said, this is called no-so. And I suppose that's a good way of describing it. But it's a way of absolutely, I, I just know. I can't tell you how I know. I just know I have the answer. And I have that. I told my father when he called me in tears about my stepmother and asked me to pray. I said, it's okay, Dad. It's okay. She's going to be fine. I know it right now. I can tell you, I can guarantee you everything that's in me, everything I own and have, I'd stake on it. She'll be fine. She did. She recovered and God uh, blessed her. And uh, she lived many more years after that. And uh, God did that as a favor to me, to my dad, and because he loves people. And uh, so the thing that I want you to see here is this, is that we can turn Things that are sent against us, as Daniel did here. And this was not just uh, getting back into his office the following Monday morning, but he gets back into the office without anybody to accuse him falsely. Nobody ever lifted a finger against him the rest of his life. That's what redemption from the curse really means. It's a complete and total flip. We'll pick up here tomorrow.